0: Um, So, last week we started a new series talking about the real Jesus. And it it really makes, it looks at the life of Jesus and it practically shows us some of the things in his life that really should be modeled in our life. So, last week we looked and we started the series by asking the question, how do you label Jesus? Many people label Jesus uh, different ways, even the world is on the fence of how they label Jesus but we concluded from last week's message that Jesus was truly the Son of the Living God and was operating under the authority of His Heavenly Father, God. That's it. You know, He wasn't just a prophet, He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't, you know, He was so much more than that. He was the Son of the Living God. So you have to make that up in your mind. You have to realize that because if you don't believe that Jesus is who He said He was, nothing else I tell you in this next part of these series will really matter. If you don't understand who Jesus was and the price that he paid for your life, nothing in here to some degree will really matter because we have to realize that Jesus is the key that unlocks it all. That without him fulfilling his role and God orchestrating his master plan in the earth, a lot of these promises don't come to fruition. But if Jesus was who he said he was and God is who he said he was, then the things written in Scripture, we need to have utmost importance to pay attention to what it says and to realize that what he says matters. Okay? So today we're gonna focus on on realizing that Jesus had a secret. And if we tap into that secret and we understand what that secret is, that secret that he had can also impact our lives in a powerful way. Okay? So, how we look at, when we look at individuals, you know, how what, the people that are successful, we often ask ourselves, what is their secret? Somebody who, who makes a lot of money or is very financially well-off, sometimes you'll want to ask them, hey, what is your secret? You know, we want to know the secret to their success. So if we look at maybe business tycoons, you know, we ask, what is your secret? So if we look at J- Jeff Bezos, who he is the founder of Amazon. Okay, so if we look at him, and, and if you haven't, if you're like, I didn't know who that guy was, Bill Gates, you've heard of Bill Gates, software mastermind, and I was, as I was looking, and I know the world measures success by dollar figures, right? So Bill Gates, you know, he's an American businessman, do you know what he is, how much he is worth right now? $128.9 billion. So I was like, man, that's a lot of money, but listen to Jeff Bezos, who, how many of you are Amazon, Amazon Prime members? you were making this guy rich, okay? So the founder and CEO of Amazon is worth 210.2 billion dollars as of today. It's big money, huh? But we would ask the question, what has made them successful? What has, you know, what is your secret to being successful? You know, and Jeff Bezos, I'm sure when he started Amazon, there was a million and a half questions that he had to ask and answer every single day to make sure the business was running well. But now, you know what his, his key to success is? He says, I make two di- big decisions every day, and that's it. He doesn't make a whole lot of decisions that often, but the decisions he makes, I'm sure at this point, are very impactful. But he only makes two a day. I said, man, I wish I could do that. You know, as to, you know my kids ask me two questions before 8 o'clock, and I'm done for the day. I tap out. That's your two questions. That's all you get. But we see the success and we ask the question, what is your secret to your success? How about beautiful people who have the perfect skin tone or the perfect hair or the perfect build? A lot of the times they, you ask the question, hey, what is your secret to your success? What facial products do you use? As a man, that doesn't apply to you because we don't even know what that means. But to all the ladies maybe in the room, it's like, hey, what kind of makeup do you wear? What kind of moisturizer, cleanser? Anything else? Masks, mud masks, whatever it is. I'm I'm just faking it, making it here. So whatever whatever it is, you might ask the the question, what is your secret? And a lot of times they won't disclose their secret. Says, Oh, I just got my my regiment that I do and it's this hidden secret sometimes. Or what about a um uh, a sports icon, you know, that has made it big time or has done well in their, in their sports career. So one of Kobe Bryant, one of the secrets that he had that he would, at practice, he would make sure that he made 400 baskets every single practice. And he'd have somebody with a little clicker tracking every single one. Because you see the success of his career, but you don't see the secret behind the success. So that's what we have to tap into when we ask the question, what is the secret to Jesus' success? We have to know what the secret is in order to get the results that Jesus got. If we don't tap into the secret, we may miss the results of the secret. So we know that Superman, where did his power come from? The sun, right? So he so the sun would rejuvenate him, it would make him strong, all of these things. You know, so it was we we realize that. So let me get let's we're in church, right? Let me talk about Samson. You know, so Samson was a modern day real superhero. Now we know that Superman doesn't exist, but for some of you who are not convinced, I'm sorry. Uh, But Samson, you know, he he was in the Bible, and his story was that he was born with this superhuman strength, and, you know, there were some rules and requirements that he had to hold in order to, to receive that power, but the key to his strength was his what? His hair. So, so some of y'all growing your hair out, if you're trying to be like Samson, just let us know that's why you're growing it out in that fashion, right? Uh, but that was the secret to his success, and we know how that story goes. You know, uh, you know the, the lady in his life kind of just enticed him, what is the secret to your power? He says, well, if you braid my hair, if you, if you, you know, wrap my wrist with, with twine. And, and none of these things were the key to his, his success, but it was in his hair. Okay, So it's really cool because this was a modern-day superhero that really lived, that really existed, that, that wiped out armies with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, this is like, think about it like real-life superhero stuff. So what was Jesus' secret? What was, what was it in Jesus' life that he tapped into that got him the results that he got? The answer to his secret was the Holy Spirit. So we're going to unpack that this morning, realizing that, that, that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowered Jesus to do all that he did. Now some of us may argue and say, well Jesus, he was just a good man, or that's what caused it. That was not where the power came from. This was his secret. You know, if you ask yourself the question, you know, I don't know if you've ever played the game or it's like, hey, if you could bring one thing with you, what would you bring? You know, and a lot of times that question is a a hard question because if we are to just bring one thing, we always need something else. Like let's say, hey, I'm going camping and I'm going to take a handgun. Well, that's cool, but at some point that handgun is going to run out of ammo and I need bullets too. Or hey, I'm going to take my cell phone, but just your cell phone, not your charger and no electricity, but you can take your cell phone. Well, that's not fair, but we we realize that Jesus, you know, he came from the most advanced kingdom ever, but yet he brought one thing, and this thing that he brought, the Holy Spirit, was, was the Swiss Army knife of success. Whatever was needed, the Holy Spirit had it. You say, so Pastor Noe, if I'm going on a camping trip, all I need is the Holy Spirit? Well, there's some practical needs. But in Jesus, in, in according to Jesus' secret, the Holy Spirit was the key that un, unleashed everything and unlocked all of the things that Jesus did. It was the number one tool. But it was more than just a tool. He was a person. Let's look at a few scriptures real quick. John 3, 34 in the New Living Translation. It says, For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words and God gives him the spirit without limit. So this is referring to Jesus. So the first thing that we realize is that Father God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit without limit. You ever been at a buffet or an all-you-can-eat? The other day I went to a restaurant they had all-you-can-eat shrimp. Oh man, I said, I got Becky to do the math. I said, how many shrimp do I got to eat to put them in a bind? Right? You know, and they, and they do they, they stagger it. You know, they give you a whole bunch at first, and then it's like three, five. I was like, but I said, So I can't order another one until you put the order in, right? And she's like, Yes. And I was like, Okay, as soon as this one gets here, send me another one. Send me another one. Send me another one. So I could have sat there till dinner time eating shrimp. It was an unlimited supply that, that, that he tapped into. It was without measure, it was without withholding anything. He released it all. But yet the Father gave it to him. Matthew 12, 18. It says, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. This is what he says. He says, I will put my spirit up on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Luke four eighteen The spirit of God is upon me. This was Jesus saying this himself. For he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to the captives uh, that they will be released. That the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. But this is what he was going to do. But how did he do it? The Holy Spirit. So we have to see that this is the key that unlocked all of the power in Jesus' life. Let me give you one more scripture. Acts 10, 38. It says, And you will know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Okay, so slow down there just for a minute. So he didn't just give the Holy Spirit but he gave the Holy Spirit and he gave power. So he, gave, he received an infilling and he also received an empowerment. So Jesus went around doing good and healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now when we look at these passages, I will take any of these if God will give them to me to be given without measure, to to heal all of those, you know, who are oppressed by the the devil, that maybe his anointing and his spirit would be on me, you know, so that I could do all of these things, you know, uh, and then, man, if God so chooses me, right? You know, I will take any of these scriptures, but we realize that all of these scriptures communicate what was given to Jesus from the Father. It was the secret to his success. It was the secret to his ministry. So we're going to look at five ways that we see the secret manifest in the life of Jesus. So number one, the secret of his relationship. So in order to see the Holy Spirit released in his life, there was a secret relationship that Jesus had. So it was apparent to everyone that Jesus had unusual access to God. Right? We see that he would would sneak away and he said, hey, I'm going to be back. I'm sure that the disciples would wake up. Much like my wife, because she gets up way earlier than I do. And I like roll over to say, good morning, she's long gone. She's been praying for the past hour and I've been drooling on my pillow, right? So that's just, but I'm sure they, wake, they woke up and said, where's Jesus? And I'm sure the disciples said, oh, well, he's off praying again. Right, but there was a relationship that Jesus had with the Father like no other. He made time, consistent time. He knew that spending time with the Father was what was needed to unlock the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. It was necessary, so we realized that of all the things that the disciples could ask Jesus for, do you know what they asked them for? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. So they noticed that something happened when Jesus spent time with the Father through prayer. I mean, they saw signs, they saw wonders. You know, they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to heal people. <laughs> that probably would have been my selfish one. Lord, show me how to release the power. But the disciples were with Jesus long enough where they knew that that power came from being in the presence of God and praying to and spending time in that relationship with God. But you realize in that moment, it's, it's almost like a battery being charged. You know, if you, it, you, you keep it charged, you keep it connected to the source. As long as you are connected to the source, you will always be able to draw from that power. But a battery that's just running and running and running, it's going to wear out. Some of you mechanics in here, you know the significance of an alternator in a car. So when you first start the car, it pulls the the power from the battery. But when the car is running, the alternator keeps the battery charged so your battery doesn't die. One time my alternator died on my car, and I was like, oh, I can make it from Wharton to Bay City. Negative. When that battery is not being charged, soon as that battery is depleted, everything starts shutting down on the car. First, your headlights will dim. Then if you're jamming the radio, your radio turns off, your air condition starts blowing hot, then your AC quits working, then all of a sudden your car shuts down and to the side, and you're like, well, what happened? The battery was not consistently being charged, and therefore the system shut down. So when we are connected to Father God and we stay connected to the power source, we can run like God has called us to run. But it requires that relationship with the Father, staying close to Him, staying near to Him, that our lives can be all that God has called us to be. We can't do it on our own strength. On our own strength is just like running on what we have within us, and you won't last that long. You will begin to shut down. We have to realize that, you know, a lot like the relationship that Jesus had with the Father, this was kind of like Wi-Fi to heaven, okay? Who does not know what Wi-Fi is? Or you've heard it, but you don't know what it is. Okay, no answers. What happened? We're going to have to preach three times as long? You know what Wi-Fi is? You know what cell phone reception is? If I turn either of those off, your life all of a sudden stops. Okay, it, it's, it's what connects you to a cell tower. It's what connects you to the World Wide Web. It is, but the cool thing is now technology is wireless. You know, I don't have to have cables that connect to my phone. All of you old schoolers is what I'm going to call it. I was one of them. Remember dial-up? You're so excited when you hear that dial-up, but you're sitting there waiting for like 10 minutes for it to hook up. It was just slow. It was tedious. But, you know, Wi-Fi allows us to have that same connection without any wires, and it happens a lot faster and a a lot more efficient. Well, as a church, as we work through this streaming and all of these things, we learned a few things. Wi-Fi is good unless there are a lot of people connected to Wi-Fi, and then it kind of bogs the system down. But we learned that if we will hardwire the system... To the the areas that are most important. So our live stream is connected hardwired. We got cables running from the computer to the internet source. Well, when you are connected to the source directly, hardwired, you don't lose signal. And it doesn't slow down. It actually runs a lot more efficient if you plug it into the source. And that's what Jesus did in that relationship with the Father. He stayed hardwired to the source. He stayed connected rather than being bogged down. Or being self-dependent. Another thing about Jesus. He always stayed in a state of fellowship with God. Do you realize that fellowship with the Father and Jesus never was broken? I mean, we break it often, guys. We're too busy. Or, hey, I stayed up too late. Or, hey, too much weekend. Not enough Sunday. Or whatever it may be in our lives. where We are guilty of not spending time with the Father. And sometimes we're tired, but most of the times we're tired because of what we've placed in our life. Other things that we said, oh, well, we're going to make time for this. But God forbid when that alarm goes off at 6 in the morning I'm meant to get up to pray, I turn the alarm off and I go back to sleep. I'm guilty of that also. I'm not a morning person, right? So the struggle is real with Pastor Noe also. But sometimes we don't, we don't put in that time, that commitment to spend time with the Father. But well, we got to realize that He always had that relationship. He allowed nothing to separate Him and the Father. That relationship, He always kept it intact. intact. Did you know that Luke eleven thirteen? 13, it says, The Father will give you the Spirit if you ask for it. So, so keep that at the front of your mind as we talk about this. All of these things that Jesus had, they are available to us. It just takes our willingness to tap into it. Another way that we see this secret manifest was, was in his precision, okay? So John Barton Payne, he was a scholar. He, would look at, he looked at the scripture and he said, how many prophecies did Jesus, was he going to fulfill the promises? And he actually looked and he dug through it and he said 574 prof- prophecies, but maybe it was more around 300. They were trying to cross-dissect them. But do you realize that there was 300 prophecies that Jesus had to fulfill? In the New Testament, that were written in the Old Testament. That the amount of precision required, you know, the statistics just on per- fulfilling one prophecy, you know it's mind-boggling. I don't want to bog you down with all the details of that, but I was reading it. It says just to even fulfill one that was written this long ago and Jesus, actually time it perfectly to make it happen. It's a miracle from heaven. But we see God orchestrating His precision plan through Jesus. Do you realize that every step, every conversation, every appointment that he never he hit the bullseye every single time. He always hit the mark. Do you realize he had precise timing, you know, even at the festival in Jerusalem when he turned the water into wine. Now we know that, you know, Jesus told his mom, said, hey, it is not yet my time. But when mom says so, let it be so. Jesus was still submitted to his mother and he still performed the miracle. So kids in the room, when your mom gives you an instruction, it's not yet my time. Don't say that. <laughs> not my time. I'll show you my time. Right? Jesus was submitted to his mother. We should be submitted to our parents as long as you live under their roof. Amen, parents? Amen. And all these kids saying, I should have skipped this message, Pastor. No, I don't like when you bring me into this. But his, her, his precision timing, you know, that was what kick, kicked off his ministry and he started performing other miracles, different things started happening. But that was that precise time when everything started moving. Alright? How about precision wording? Do you realize that, 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 that every word that Jesus would say, that there were, there were billions of future believers that, that had to make sure that he said it right? What he said was written and it was recorded in this book and it had to be done with utmost precision. He couldn't be like, oh, well, i just playing. i messed mess that up, delete that and rewrite that. Like, he always hit the mark. How did he do that? It wasn't natural ability. Because we got to remember that Jesus was all God, but he was also all man. If there was not a secret in his life that enabled him to do that, he would have missed the mark. But yet it was the Holy Spirit in his life being released that caused him to hit the mark every single time. How about precise relationships? You know, uh, the disciples that Jesus chose, it wasn't by accident. It's not like he just said, ah, this guy looks ignorant enough. Let's pick that one. You know, I think he knew the gifting and the calling and the ability. And he foresaw it by 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 the Holy Spirit way before he called the disciples. Even Judas Iscariot he called on purpose. Because that was all part of the big picture plan. He was always, he even chose his relationships... The ones that he ministered to. The ones that he reached out to. It wasn't a big accident. Maybe once, maybe twice it could have been an accident. But when we see the precision and the execution. And how that execution and that precision hit the mark every single time. There has to be something more than just being a perfect punctual guy. It was the Holy Spirit inside of him. Okay. I'm going to give you one nugget. If you don't hear anything else I say, remember this statement. Jesus himself, he didn't lead the Holy Spirit, but he followed the Holy Spirit. Now, many of us in our life, that's how we act. We come over here and we're like doing our own thing. And say, hey, Holy Spirit, come over here. Be a part of what I'm doing right here. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is to be followed, not led. Amen. You know, we don't want to cultivate our plan on a Sunday morning and say, okay, God, here's all our plans. Okay, now, Holy Spirit, be a part of that. Before we do anything, we want to say, Holy Spirit, what is in your heart? What do you want to do? And we follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not follow us. So we got to realize even Jesus, even though he was the Son of God, he didn't do what he wanted. He followed the Holy Spirit. So if he would have followed his own agenda, he would have messed it up. But he followed the Father's agenda through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that was given to him without measure by his gracious Father, and he hit the mark every single time. But he followed the Holy Spirit. He did not lead the Holy Spirit. Some of you need that revelation today, and you, you might realize, ooh, I just ask the Lord to bless whatever I'm doing. Maybe it's not being blessed because you're doing what you want, and then asking the Holy Spirit to bless it, rather than saying, Holy Spirit, what in the world am I supposed to do? And then believe God to bless it. Got an amen on that one? Amen. All right, number three, the secret of his wisdom. All right, so we see, see, see it manifest that, you know, at age 12, do you realize that he was debating in the temple with the rabbis? You know, like Samuel's 10, so like in two years, he would be like sitting in our pastor's meeting, educating us. Now, I would probably just look at him and say, shut up, son, you don't know. Right? I mean, I would just think you are not that smart. Like, you may quote a verse and whatever, which we're not going to fight about the verse, but when you start really explaining the deep meanings of the biblical, doctrinal questions of what these scriptures are saying, we're just like, yeah, I know, go somewhere else, right? But you've got to realize the people of that time, they were students of the word. It actually says those who were picked to, to be with rabbis or to be a rabbi, you actually memorized the, the, uh, the, the whole first five books of the Bible. And i got some of us in here struggling with John three sixteen, Much less the, the whole first five books. But I'm talking word for word. Over the course of eight, nine hours, they would, they would communicate the whole thing. They would memorize it. So they were people of the word. But we have to realize those who were asked to be with the rabbi were the, the best of the best. But well, we got to realize Jesus was the best of the best. It says that he, when he was in there with the rabbis, they were amazed by his knowledge and his insight. But we got to realize that, that Jesus was all God, and He was all man. But He was also smart, right? Because we know that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, that is when the Holy Spirit descended and empowered Him. So He was just educating. He was learning Himself. But that moment that He was filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. That's really when you begin to see His ministry catapult. After that, He goes to the desert, and He's tempted for 40 days. We see all of a sudden... That moment that he was baptized, came out of the water, was filled with the Holy Spirit. From that moment forward is when you see the signs, the wonders, the power in his ministry. But in that 30 years of growing up, he was just learning. He was submitting to his parents. He was, he was a carpenter by trade. You know, we see, he was, he was all man. But well, yet there was something different. You know, Jesus, he, he was asked so many trick questions that he answered Perfectly. You know, uh, there was one time he was questioned about paying taxes. Yeah, and he responds, he says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And we got to realize, in that company was the Romans and the Jews. The Jews felt like that they were being taxed unfairly, so they wanted to say, hey, don't give it. But yet the Romans were there that if he said, don't give it, they would have killed him. Because they would have been afraid that he was going to be a revolutionary that was just going to sway the people and how they think. But he saw the coin, he looked at it, he says, well, you know, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And it was the perfect answer. Not get stoned, like every but every time it was just like he just knew exactly what to say. Where it kind of left both parties shrugging their shoulders, like that was a good one. What are we supposed to do with that? But he was inspired by the Holy Spirit every single time. Okay, what about the woman that was mar- you know married seven times? And these guys are debating. They're saying, "Well, whose woman, whose wife will she be when they get to heaven?" He says, "You don't even know what you're talking about. In heaven, there's not going to be marriage and given in marriage and you know." And it was just like, well, we thought. Well, yeah, you thought. But like we see Jesus step in and he gives a, an answer inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the most important commandment. They ask him, they say, what is the greatest commandment? And he, sa- and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. No one could argue with what he said. They're like, man, sounds good. What are we supposed to do with that? Even up to his crucifixion, do you know that there were those that said he's, he's not guilty? But yet people were looking for a reason to crucify him. How about the woman caught in adultery? This is one of my favorite stories, but it just it just shows that you know when they showed up, she was caught in the act of adultery, one hundred percent guilty, one hundred percent punishable by the law. So he goes in there, he walks up. I don't know if he. I mean, I'm just picturing Jesus with a stone in his hand. And he's kind of like, hey, him without him who is without sin throw the first stone. He kind of throws the rock and he starts drawing in the sand. Is how the story says. It Says one by one, starting with the older. Older ones, they just kind of dropped their stones and walked away. And she he looks at her and says, Hey, where are your accusers? And he says, There are she says, There are none. But do you realize in this passage, Jesus never said don't stone her? It was allowed. She had committed the sin, and the consequences were valid consequences. But yet how he worded it convicted the heart of men, it rescued a sinner, and it glorified God. We see that in everything that Jesus did. But it was just the secret of his wisdom. His wisdom just surpassed it. I think even the rabbis, just it made them mad because they didn't have the answers, but Jesus did. He had the wisdom, not of this world, but a wisdom that tapped into a heavenly kingdom that fought like Father God. And you know that Jesus says, I say nothing except what I hear my Father in heaven say. You know, my dad... And his health was real well, and you know he's still pretty sharp when I talk to him. But my dad never said anything, but when he did, you needed to listen. He was a man of fewer words. He didn't say a whole lot, but when he says, like, "Oh man, Dad's talking," we need to pay attention to this. You know, he wasn't one that just talked to hear himself talk, right? You know, he he was he was a he was really precise with what he said. He didn't just waste energy or waste oxygen. You know, as some people are in the habit of doing, like to talk, to hear themselves talk. But everything was precision. You know, I don't think Jesus was one that just ran his mouth and just talked all the time and just whatever whatever he was thinking, you know, in his carnal mind would just say it. No, I think everything he said was, was guarded and protected and inspired by the Holy Spirit. He could not afford to mess it up, but he walked in, in unfathomable wisdom. So Isaiah 11 actually says, the Bible says that the spirit of wisdom rested on him. Now, the cool thing is, you can have access to the same wisdom that Jesus did. Now, how many of you know today that our wisdom comes from Google? Anything you don't know, you kind of just, okay, hold on, let me Google it. See what this says, who it is, or whatever. So do you realize that the Holy Spirit inside of you is just like having Google with you all the time? Man, I I don't know what to do with that www.holyspirit.com I I mean just type it in ask him what he says and do what he says I mean we're smart enough to look up dumb stuff on Google right and believe what it says or do what it says I don't know if you've ever uh, like when you're sick or something like that you look up symptoms and man you're going to (laughs) die the sinner's like man you, you start thinking you got stuff you didn't even know you could get and then you read through and you're like oh for females only never mind Right, you know, you don't you get into the, you get stuck into these, th- and it's just like, well, Google said if we will trust the credibility of Google, why would we not trust the credibility of the Holy Spirit, Amen. who knows everything that gave Jesus insight beyond his years? We need that in our life, but that is available to us just like it was available to Jesus. All right, number four, the secret of His power. It testified to who He was. You realize that Jesus, He had explosive power. He had power over the weather. Over the creation, power over demons. Jesus truly was one of a kind that had superpowers. If you were gonna see him, you're like, man, let's see what Jesus does next. And it says that there were many people that were just around, just watching the signs, the wonders, yet there was no relationship there. But let's rehash the powers that he displayed. He had power to control the weather. I pray he turns the rain off for a little while. Okay? He had power to resist the elements. He had the power to change the molecular composition of something. So he turned water into wine. You believe that? Water into wine. This was not just like, hey, this wasn't just bitter water, right? He actually changed the molecular structure of it. He could have turned stone into bread, but he chose not to. You realize that? He can change something. Into something else. Only God. Only Jesus can do this. But it, but it says that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and what? Power. Okay? So he had, he had the ability to multiply an object. He took the fish and he took the bread and he multiplied that. Man, I wish Jesus would do that when there was steak. And appetizers or something. Like, think about your favorite meal. Be like, alright. Man, it just keeps coming. Open the oven again. Ribeye. Open that again. Ribeye. T-bone. Yes, Lord. Come on. Who wants some more? This, this oven is just releasing it. Like I mean, I just think about it. But what do we realize in every time that Jesus multiplied something, guess what? They had it in their possession. We give you a little quick little side message note. Don't be frustrated with what you don't have. See what is in your hands. Surrender that to God and see what he multiplies. He'll always take something you have and use that. Don't be mad about what you don't have. See what you already have and believe God to work in that. That's a free nugget right there. all right. So he had the power to restore human bodies. Arms, legs, eyes, and ears would grow back. This makes no sense in the natural mind. Right? He he had the power to resurrect the dead. He had the power to be transformed. So he was transfigured in amongst the disciples. The disciples saw him and something changed. They saw the glory that was around him. And they said, hey, let's build a temple. Let's stay here. This is who Jesus was. He had, he had the power to expel demons. He also had the power to vanish. You mean, what do you mean vanish? There were so many times where he was preaching and the crowds would rise up against him, and he would just vanish. Now, if you see me try to get out of this sanctuary, I can't do it that slick. But like, there goes Pastor Noe. Look, he ran out the side. Door. I mean, you're going to see me. It says that he vanished and just slipped through the clouds. Now, what was really happening here? I believe he disappeared and reappeared. Where did he go? He was just here. You know, and maybe there was a big crowds and different things like that. But you can't just, when there's a crowd around you, you can't just get away. We spent a little bit of time in Africa, and when we would do ministry, all around you people are pressing in. And I believe that in Jesus' life, this was probably the same thing. People were pressing in. He was. wasn't. You couldn't just vanish. Right? He would slip through the, cl- the, the crowds. He also had the ability to to know what people were thinking. He understood the thoughts of others. Luke 4.14, it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Um, so Jesus said that these things that I do would be, you will also be able to do because he was going to the Father you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses so he said this is what I have done this was the secret of my success I am sharing the secret with you so that you can also do what I have done but when he went to the Father and he sat at the right hand and he sent the Holy Spirit to us it's on us now the work has been completed Jesus has done all that he was going to do and now it says that he intercedes. He is praying and he's saying, Lord, you know, you know, let's say Robert makes a prayer request this morning. and It's according to the will of God. What Jesus is doing to God, he's saying, hey, God, hook him up. Send that to him. Especially when it's according to God's specific word. He allows us to be effective in our prayer life, in our ministry. But we should see power in our lives. Do you guys realize that we have much more potential in us than we are aware of? The enemy wants wants you to think, oh, that was something Jesus did, or that was something that happened in just Bible days. He wants you to not believe that these things are available today. You know, it says in the Bible that very few signs and wonders happened in Jesus' hometown because of a lack of faith, and, and there was a familiarity with who Jesus was. So let us not be familiar with just Jesus, but let us really focus on what He said we would do and what He's allowed us to do. But we have that potential in us. The Holy Spirit wants us to follow Him instead of us leading Him. So His ministry also testified to His secret. So the the Holy Spirit would flow through Him as, as He was the vessel. You have to understand that. We're in the same configuration. It wasn't that Jesus, now He was the Son of God, but He was still a vessel that the Holy Spirit used. And God wants to use each of us as that vessel this morning. Do you realize that each of us, we have very little power in our physical strength? You know, if somebody comes up here for a prayer request or something that... You know, I may quote every scripture that I know. But unless the Holy Spirit moves in power, I can grip my teeth. I can grip my hands. I can cause my blood pressure to go up. I can cause all of these things to happen in the physical and accomplish nothing spiritual. It has to be the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through me as a willing vessel... But how many of you know it has to get A, B, and C out of me, right? It, it can't, I can't choke it. I can't stop it. I can't, he can't operate separate from me. He needs our participation. But He wants us to be the vessel, the channel in which He flows. Alright? we got to realize that our part is the natural part, but His part is the supernatural part. The Holy Spirit is is really the secret to all great successful ministries. If you have a church that says, oh, we're just doing this because of this book, or we just got this new strategy we're adapting, and we are not being inspired by the Holy Spirit in how to lead and govern and and lead a church, we will fail. Every successful ministry is going to have the Holy Spirit being followed rather than us asking the Holy Spirit to follow us. We're going to say, what is the Holy Spirit already doing? And we're going to... You know, I guess it's like the surfer finding the greatest wave, right? You can go out on, 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 the, on the shoreline and look and say, man, there's no waves happening here. It's going to be a boring day. You call your buddies up, hey, what's the, ho- you know, you got waves over there? Oh, yeah, the water's moving over here. The Holy Spirit's rocking and rolling over here. Well, forget what we're doing. He's over here. Let's get over here and, and be a part of this. That's what it's got to be like. We got to follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. We got to be in the vein of how he's leading us, of what he wants us to focus on, on the room that we need to make for him. Now, there's this great debate in church life. How long should services be? How long should ministry be? You know, and and a lot of churches have systematically built a formula. Hey, 15 minutes of worship, 20 minutes maybe, 5 minutes for transit. And down to a formula, right? But I believe that we can get so formulated that we miss what God wants to do in a service. Now, you want to know what our strategy is? When the Holy Spirit shows up, we get out of the way. So, Pastor Noah, you mean you don't know what you're doing? Not all the time. Now, we usually have an agenda, which is to follow the Holy Spirit. We usually have songs selected previously. We have messages previously, which we've prayed over those we believe that, hey, this is what God wants us to focus on. But at any moment's notice, if the Holy Spirit shows up and says, hey, turn off the iPad. Worship team, come back up. We want to transition and we want to do whatever the Holy Spirit's doing. We're going to do it. Say, well, isn't that kind of crazy? Oh, it is. But the Holy Spirit's in that kind of business. We cannot cannot lock the Holy Spirit in a box and expect to get the results that He wants to get. All these power gifts, all these signs and wonders, you can't lock that in a box and say, okay, let me go to the box, I'm going to pull a little bit of the Holy Spirit out. We can't do that. We cannot contain what the Holy Spirit wants to do when He wants to do it. But how we facilitate and what we do in the room that we give Him is the room that He will occupy. I was a worship leader way before I was a a pastor of a church. And I would get so frustrated when the pastor would say, hey, you only got 20 minutes. I was like, well, God can't move in that 20 minutes. But I learned about authority. I said, if the pastor gives me 15 minutes, if he gives me five minutes, the Holy Spirit can show up in those five minutes and change lives. It doesn't matter my opinion. I'm to still operate under authority. Now, Morgan and Jessica are really happy in this house because we give them a lot of freedom in worship. But let's say we, we choked it down. But I believe that God will still work within those confines. But how much more when we just unravel it and say, hey, do what you want. That doesn't mean we don't prepare. That doesn't mean that we don't plan. That doesn't mean that we don't pursue excellence. But we will make room for the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Nobody's walked out yet, so I guess you're Okay. We have to realize that the Holy Spirit is the secret to all great ministries. So the, the secret of His ministry, that there was ministry gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 8-10. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. Uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues. we got to realize that none of these things operate in the natural ability. But these are power gifts through the Holy Spirit working through us. This was Jesus' secret to His success. And without the Holy Spirit... We can't do it. We can't be effective in ministry. We can't do all that that God wants us to do. So if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to see the underlying secret to who He was and what He was all about. And it was the Spirit. Jesus was never concerned with people talking negatively about Him so we see in Scripture that people criticized Jesus. They, 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 I'm sure they cursed about his ministry. You know Jesus never cared about what people thought. But if you talked negatively about the Holy Spirit, it was on. So it's the equivalent of a your mama joke. You can tell me any joke that you want. You start talking about my mama. We're going to fight. You know, I remember growing up. We didn't care. Why'd you hit him? He's talking about my mom. Right? You know, it's just zero response. We don't care and we'll talk about it. My mama's been like, well, they were talking about me, and they got the support anyway, right? But that was how Jesus was with the Holy Spirit. It was okay, he said. It it doesn't matter if if you spit in my face or you crucify me, but but if you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you need to hush. So this is what he says in this passage in in Matthew um, 12, 32. It says, some of them said, Jesus, we know how you're doing it. You're casting out demons because you are of a demonic influence. And this was his response. He says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. So it said, "Anybody that crucifies me or speaks uh, uh, negatively towards me, it will be it will um, it will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come." That's a big deal because it's okay to be like, "Hey, once I get to heaven, all's good, right?" No, it says in this life and the life to come. Now, I think the only time that we should say the word holy is with the word spirit after it. Anytime we say holy and we replace that with something else. Now, some are like, ooh, I hear people say all the time, I never thought about that. It is not honoring the position of the Holy Spirit. We talked about last week how people say, God, the, the authority, the, 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 the utmost of the, that position but this is one thing that Jesus said, we don't play with that. You can talk about me all you want, but don't talk about the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 12, 32. Write it down, jot it down, go read that when you got a second. Really let, really chew on that. So we have to realize the Holy Spirit is special and sacred and should be treated as such. Holy and sacred. Let us never be a church that just assumes that the Holy Spirit will show up because we're a great church. Let us make room. Let us usher in His presence. Let's let's desire His presence. Let us never get comfortable with the Holy Spirit. What if the Holy Spirit would only show up where He was made welcome? You know how many churches would miss out? Because they don't make room. You know, in pre-service prayer, that's one of my first things I pray. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Please show up. If you don't show up, we're done. Might as well go home. Let's put on a baseball game. Let's just watch something. We're done. We're just wasting time unless you show up. So there's three things we must do to keep the Holy Spirit close to Him, to us. First and foremost, we've got to honor Him. What does that mean? So, we honor him by acknowledging that he is always with us. You know, some of us like to have a Holy Spirit switch where when we do what we want to do that we know is contrary to God's word, we flip off the switch and we think we can separate the Holy Spirit from that equation. But the Holy Spirit is always with us. He sees what we see, He hears what we hear. He knows our thoughts and our motives before we say or speak or think it. Yet, He's within us. So, we have to honor Him, we have to know that He's always there. Man, I bust my kids up all the time when I get home from church, and they're watching TV, and maybe Becky's on her phone. Okay, I'll give you the worst-case scenario. I show up. Everybody's playing on a digital device, watching a show. They're on a phone. I walk and say, hey, how are y'all doing? Man, no response. I'm about to... And I I don't want to break the TV because I might want to watch it later. But my mind is like, I'm going to destroy all these devices. I said, hey. I said, hello, how's everybody doing? Oh, oh, oh. Hey, Dad. How often are we guilty of that? Where the Holy Spirit shows up and we are distracted with whatever's going on. Know that He's there. He wants to speak to you. Honor Him. When He walks in the room, everything else ceases. It don't matter if you're on the last episode with the last 10 minutes of the season. You hit pause. Well, 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 Pastor Noah, you don't know. Push pause. Because if He shows up, there's something more important than what you're watching. Treat Him as He's omnipresent, because guess what? (laughs) Wink, wink, He is. Come before Him with complete humility and honor of His presence. So we we honor Him. What else do we do? We follow Him. So wherever He leads, follow. Don't hesitate. You know, if you get familiar with the Holy Spirit, when He says do something, do it right away. Come again. Like, you know, you should get so familiar with with the voice of the Holy Spirit that you can radically... Be obedient immediately. Not to hesitate. During your prayer time, try to be a little bit more quiet. Well, Pastor, no, I thought you were supposed to talk. You are, but part of your prayer time is to have a relationship and to carry on a two-way conversation, not a one-way conversation. So listen to what he says and ask for his guidance. Now, you may lay all your heart cares and all your concerns and all your things before the throne of grace. But then before you wrap up and just rather than just saying, hey, here's my wish list. Amen. Pause, dot, dot, dot. And say, Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? Take a deep breath. And that one minute of silence I have found is more beneficial than your 15 minutes of babbling. Because one word from the Lord changes everything. One release of the peace of His presence in your life will settle the storms of life. A little measure of faith that He releases will cause you to believe Him for great things. Rather than what the enemy intended for harm. So it's in those, mo- those small moments. So we honor Him. We follow Him. Thirdly, we trust Him. Know that He's there and that He's listening to the cries of our heart. You guys have ever seen the trust falls? This team building, different things like that? But the whole idea of a trust fall is to what? Trust your team. Trust the people that are catching you, right? Holy Spirit will not fumble you. But He will catch you. But how many of you know the scariest part of that trust fall is what? The letting go and falling back. Now, if you've truly trusted the Holy Spirit, and he's been in that trust me moment, he will never let you fall. Say, Pastor, no, I fell back one time and fell. <laughs> yeah, it's because you were leading the Holy Spirit. You weren't following the Holy Spirit. I've seen a lot of people do stupid things in, in the name of self-righteousness. Oh, well, this is just a good thing to do. What? Did, well, hold on, hold on. What did the Spirit of God say? Well, I don't know. Well, you better hold on. Because if he didn't say do it, don't do it. But if he said it, do it immediately. Do it rapidly. Do it right away. Well, it doesn't even make sense, Pastor. No, I don't care, but the Holy Spirit knows. He knows the results that you will get from the action that he asks you to do. It's not your position to understand. It's your position to be obedient. You don't know the, the, the eternal kingdom consequences of what you do or don't do. But if we're to minister as Jesus did we have to tap into what the Holy Spirit's doing and be willing to say, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, even if it seems foolishness. I think two weeks ago when we had that ministry time in the middle of the service when God told me, said, hey, there are people in the congregation that I want to pray. Just open it up and say, whoever has, whoever is, it's in their heart to pray, come forward. I don't do that. There's prayer etiquette. That, that goes, you know, I was talking to a leader this morning. A I said, that's just not normal. We, we make sure the people are praying are good people. We just don't want anybody laying hands on whoever. And, you know, we want it to be safe. But yet at that moment, God said, call those up. And then after the fact, you know, one of them said, man, I was burning. I knew that I needed to come and pray. And when you did that, it released me to come pray. It didn't make sense right here. I knew what the Spirit of the Lord said. I said, this don't even, this goes against what we do. It didn't matter be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. So the secret that Jesus had was the Holy Spirit. And today Jesus wants you to know that you can have the Holy Spirit made available to you today also. You know, some of you don't realize, but if you are a, a child or a, a son or a daughter of the King, even the saving work of salvation was the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And just like we ask and we receive, that's all you got to do to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is inside every single believer. But what you need to do, you almost it's almost like you ever shook up a Coke can and then opened it. So the faith activating of asking is like shaking that Coke can and saying, Lord, in faith, I'm coming, I'm believing, Coming and empower me. Give me all of these signs, these wonders. And then all of a sudden you say, all right, Lord, I'm trusting you. I don't know if it's going to work. And that faith is what pops that lid on that soda. And you know what happens when that soda can is popped? Talk about the Mentos challenge, right? Where it's just, and it's just, but it says rivers of living water will begin to gush, will begin to come out. It will all of a sudden release power in your life like you have never seen. But the promise is that it keeps coming. It keeps erupting. It never runs out. It never runs out. And without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be successful in ministry. You got stand up with me and we'll get out of here. Before we go, I want you to know that this was the secret that Jesus had and this secret has been made known to you today. And just like salvation, you say, Lord, I believe in you. Just like that saving faith, that little bit of faith of asking and receiving, it's the same thing saying, Holy Spirit, all this stuff's kind of crazy. It's bigger than I can understand. Hey, but your Bible says it. You did it. It was the secret to your success. It caused you to be successful. Hey, I'll tap into some of that. And you just allow the Holy Spirit to come in and flow through your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is what brings conviction. Maybe there's some of you in the room today said, Pastor, no, I'm not living right. And that is one of the things that can throttle, that can grieve the Holy Spirit and can really prevent the Holy Spirit from doing and being all that He's called to be in your life. But you know what the cool thing about conviction? It should lead you to the cross. It should lead you to repentance. And when you go to the cross and you ask in repentance... It's forgiven. And that restores that relationship that Jesus consistently had with the Father. And then it allows you to be connected to the source who is the giver of the Holy Spirit. And you should now be functioning in an unlimited supply of the Holy Spirit. But we are the ones that break that relationship, that communion, that fellowship with the Lord. But I want you to, to not live another day trying to live or be successful in this life apart from the Holy Spirit. Some say, man, is this is one of those Holy Spirit churches? It's always been. You just might not have known it yet. We can't do church without the Holy Spirit. You can't even receive salvation without the Holy Spirit. Well, well I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. If you call yourself a believer, there's more of the Holy Spirit in you than you already know. We just got to release it out. The best part, this is in my closing, The best part of this secret is that it is promised to every single one of us as believers. It's promised to you. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of another day. Living a life all by yourself apart from the Spirit flowing in your life. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. And Holy Spirit, I know you're up to something good in our lives that you're at work here, that you're drawing our hearts, Father, that that you are working in us in ways we know about and ways we don't. Lord, I pray that we would be mindful of that. You could not do what you did in ministry apart from your Holy Spirit. How in the world can we expect to be the believers and followers of Christ that you've called us to be if we don't have the Holy Spirit? I know the world was bad when you were here, Jesus, and it's bad now. So we need your Holy Spirit. And we need it now. Father, I pray that you would just help us to tap into the greatest secret ever. Your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. And Father, I ask that you would continue to work. That you would continue to move in our lives. Help us never be satisfied. But always hungry and thirsty for your presence.